What's up, Bandive crew? James here. And before we jump into this episode, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever wished there was a way to connect with me as well as other listeners in real time? I have the solution. I finally got around to making a Bandive Discord server, which is people have been asking me for years and I just wasn't listening. I wish I had done this sooner because I couldn't be happier with the results. It's been fantastic. And we would love to see you join us. We have discussions about the music business, gear, the podcast, and a general channel as well. You can join the discussion now by visiting bandhive.rocks slash discord. Again, that is bandhive.rocks slash discord. Welcome to episode 42 of the Bandhive podcast. You're listening to the Bandhive podcast, the number one online resource for DIY bands to learn about the music business and touring. If you want to turn your band into a lean, mean touring machine, you're in the right place. Now, let's get this show on the road. It is time for another episode of the Bandhive podcast. My name is James Cross, and I'm here at long last with Matt Hose of Alive in Barcelona. Welcome back, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty stellar. How are you doing today, James? I'm glad to hear that. I am also doing well. Quick nerd out here. As anyone heard in the intro, this is episode 42 of the podcast. So that means that this episode, we are going to share the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Or as that's known in 2020, building an engaged audience on your social media profiles, specifically (laughs) Instagram. It's good to have you back, man. And I know this is going to be a killer episode for you to do because this is your wheelhouse. This is your bread and butter, basically. You are all about that branding and image. It's definitely a lot of fun. And Instagram is definitely one of the more fun platforms to uh, to use just because it's one of those very, very engaging platforms. And it also gives you an opportunity to show the best part of your life to your audience. It really gives them a window into who you are. And it's up to you to give them whatever view you want to. So it really gives you a lot of freedom. And, and Instagram is just a lot of fun. There's, you know, it's the largest marketing platform on the planet. Most people don't know this, but there are about 100 million Instagram posts made per day. And about half of those are promoting businesses, products, or services. One of the most sought after jobs in the country is being a social media influencer. And that's basically because you get to travel around eat cool food, drink tasty drinks, see awesome places, meet fun people. And you get to show that to everybody else and you end up making money if you have your uh, program set up right. And and if your brand is monetized, then you can really, really do a lot of awesome things with it. So yes, this episode is going to be about engaging your audience um, and really, really knowing the different tools at your disposal to do that. You know, it's mind-boggling that there are 100 million posts per day. That's just insane. And I got to ask, is that just posts or is that posts and stories? That is posts and stories. And actually, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But, um, you know, the post is a lot more permanent than the story is. And so there is a certain level of intimacy that the story has. And so a lot of businesses, when they roll out new products, actually use their story because it develops a much stronger connection with their audience. And actually, you know, people really feel like they're a part of something. Um, you know, s- some people exclusively roll out products first on Instagram. And so, you know, 
people who are fans of the Kardashians, they might you know launch a new makeup line or they might launch a new product or service that people only find out from you know being an Instagram fan. Or, you know, and they're really good business people. And so, you know, sometimes they also launch products that just got through an email blast. So it's like they've really utilized different different marketing platforms for getting different things. And in the process, that's caused them to really develop a network of highly engaged fans that are subscribed to multiple of their platforms, um, which is really the, you know, the best place for you as a business to be is when your audience is is paying attention to every one of your avenues. So that way you can, you know, your, your album as a band. So if we put out an album, we want everybody to hear that. But if you record a single that doesn't go on the album, or maybe you have a B side that you're like, I really want people to hear this, but it doesn't have a place on the album. Well, maybe that's something that you can push out through an email blast, or that's something that you promote through an Instagram story. And then, you know, maybe giving people just a different avenue for finding some hidden music. I know for me, my favorite band has always been the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I went through album by album when I first discovered them and I started off as a bassist. So hearing Flea was like, oh my gosh, let's hear all the different things that he can do. Well, then after doing our research, that's when I found out they wrote 40 songs per album cycle. They would generally whittle it down to between 12 and 16. And so it's like, you have 24 songs each album cycle that just didn't get heard at all. And what was really cool is when Stadium Arcadium came out, which was a double CD, each track or each CD had 13 songs, I believe. So it was a 26 song album. But then afterwards, they started releasing three song B-side discs that you could buy. I think it was just on iTunes, but you couldn't get them on it. You know, you couldn't go to Best Buy and get them. You couldn't go to a, a retail store and buy them. You had to specifically purchase them online. And it you know, probably didn't make them all these extra millions and millions and millions of dollars, but all of the true fans like me, all the people who they had already, you know, I had been engaged on their social platforms. I had uh, been actively involved in the products and services that they were releasing. And so then I went and I searched out and I was like, oh, here's this one platform that there's no marketing on it. There's no nothing, but I found all this extra stuff. And so then I immediately went through and bought like an extra like 20 or 30 songs that I had never even heard before. And it was awesome for me because I was like, wow, I'm this band's biggest fan. And I just got another like two full albums of material. And so that was like one of the most eye-opening moments for me when I was younger. And I, I was able to really realize it's like, hey, just because these albums come out, that's not all the products and services that this band has. There's other stuff, you know, there's documentaries. I was young at the time. I didn't really know about live DVDs and, oh, well, then I discovered they had you know, these live DVDs at places when well, I started to buy those, you know, and then it was like, I don't think I have enough Red Hot Chili Peppers t-shirts. Anybody had access to their records. Anybody had access to the albums, but it was like, you know, for me, I fell in love with the bass. So I fell in love with Flea. And then I discovered these hidden gems that they had. They had their stuff that they pushed their, their, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing in. They had the stuff that their label pushed. But then the stuff that they individually, they delegated it themselves. They put out a few songs that they believed people still would want to hear. And for me, I mean, the Chili Peppers don't put out, they put out an album like once every four years. So those songs really like would get me through in between their album releases. And it was a consistent revenue stream for them 
And that's really hard for, I mean, uh, I, I also, ironically, I read Anthony Kiedis's book, Scar Tissue. And that was, an, you know, and that was another avenue that he had explored that led more revenue to them. And in that book, he actually talks about due to their family life, it was really, really hard for them to tour. And so it was things like releasing those singles that helped them maintain funding throughout seasons where they would go without touring. Flea had two small children. So as a father, he needed to be at home a lot of the time. And so I can't remember what decade it was, but they made the decision to only tour. I think it was three days out of the week. But the biggest issue that they ran into with that was you can't hire a crew for three out of seven days on a tour. And so they had to figure out a way to adapt. And this is, you know, this is a band you think, wow, these guys are making millions. This is, this is a band who was huge back in the eighties. You know, they were touring with Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. You know, they, they were taking those bands on tour. You know, they were the headlining act. And this is a band who at the height of the beauty of the music industry ended up having to adapt, having to release singles in order to recoup some of their losses. They did this by knowing their audience. They knew that they had a loyal audience. They knew that they had people all over the globe who loved their music, who were invested in their lives, invested in their stories. And so they said, you know what? We have all this extra music that we've written. Let's release it. And they did. And that was able to propel them for even more years. It all started with the audience. It all started with their interaction. They have fan groups. They have every social media platform. They had ways, they had uh, street teams. Street teams were a really, really popular thing. They're still used somewhat, but not compared to the scale that they were. Now we have digital teams. Before a street team would go out and you'd, you'd be coming into town and they'd plaster you with, you know, you'd send them a hundred posters. You paid for a hundred posters to be made and they'd go out and they'd hand out the posters. They'd go out and they'd spread the word. And that's what made the tight knit music scene of the eighties so awesome. Now the power in knowing your audience is really, I mean, that's everything. If you have an audience, then it's your job to engage with them and figure out what they need. I know for any of our past listeners, you've heard James and I talk about numerous times being a go-giver. Focus on how you can make other people's lives better. And in the process, you're going to make your life better. I'll go back to my Chili Peppers example. A lot of their music is actually written about other people that they met in their lives. A lot of their songs were about individuals who they came in contact with that were a blessing to them. And so they would write songs about them. And then people were like, oh my goodness, you wrote this song about me. You know, and they would respond with, well, yeah, you know, you mean a lot to me. And then it was like this awesome, you know, it was no longer an audience setting. It was no longer like these people are coming to listen to me. It was, no, these people are a part of what I'm a part of. I really feel like they took the best example of engaging to your fans. And because instead of just saying, Hey fans, what do you do? You know, how can I make this, you know, more about you? They just started writing songs about their fans and the people that inspired them. And in the process that caused the people who they inspired to continue to push their music to heights and distances that, you know, a lot of musicians will never see in their career. Matt, I love how you're talking about how they interacted with their audience and how they grew their audience but of course, they're already a well-established band. How could an artist who doesn't have an audience yet 
figure out who their audience actually should be? Oh, of course. Great question. With knowing your target audience, this is one of like the biggest struggles just in business in general. Your target audience is going to change. With every new song that you release, you're going to gain new fans and you're going to alienate some of the ones that you had. You know, Everybody has an expectation about what their favorite band or their favorite project should sound like. If you don't believe me, go back and look at any of the comments on any Bring Me the Horizon song post-2009. Anytime after they made their shift away from Deathcore, they alienated their old fan base. If you look at the size of their fan base now, it's 50 times larger. It's up to you to pick and choose what's going to be more important to you. But I like Bring Me the Horizon because they made a very slow, gradual change into the radio rock sound that they have today. And they tried very, very carefully to not alienate their fan base. For a smaller band, and Bring Me the Horizon was not a big band at the beginning. Most deathcore bands do not achieve these you know, super huge heights. And so they as a band actually had to slowly but surely with each album, start incorporating more songs that appealed to a larger audience. That was as far as their products were concerned. But the other things that were really key in order to making those shifts were how they engaged with their fans. This is one of the most important things that you can do in music, and that is opening a dialogue with your fans. If you talk to your fans, I promise you, they will talk back. Your fans love your music. They believe in your product. And honestly, if they are passionate about music the same way that you are passionate about music, there's a good chance that you have created a moment in their lives that they cling to, that they really find important. And so continue on that. Build on that relationship. People in their mind, they already have a relationship with you. It's the relationship that they've built. And so it's your job to nurture that relationship. The way that you do that is with dialogue. And you don't open a dialogue about what's important to you. You open a dialogue about what's important to them. This can take form in a whole bunch of different ways. This can be like on Facebook stories, on Instagram stories. I'm sure everyone has seen the little polls that you can do or surveys where people ask questions or where people say, explain this to me or what do you guys think about that? It generally is a, you know, associated with a picture that has something to do with it. So there's this touch of visual marketing in there as well. So it's like they have, you know, they create a presupposition in your mind with this image and then they ask you a question on it. There's two ways that you can go from here. You can ask stuff that is relatable to people's lives. You can ask people's opinions on current events. There's so much going on in the world right now. It doesn't mean that you have to take a, a strong stance on it one way or the other. But it does mean that if you create a place for people to discuss, that people will come there to discuss. If you build it, they will come. It's an old saying from a movie. And it's true. If you build a place for people to come and discuss and where people can leave that platform feeling respected, edified, and really like you've created another moment, that is really where you're going to develop these lifelong relationships. This is where you're going to build these true fans. This intimate level of connection, it's all about transparency. It's all about vulnerability. We actually have one of our coaching clients who will remain nameless because I haven't talked to them, if it's okay if we, I talk about them. But I encouraged them to be very transparent about some of the emotional struggles that they've had to go through with their life. And this person wanted that to be a heavy part of their branding. And so this is really what we focused on. And then within three days after we talked about this, that person had sent me a link to some press that they had already received. 
it all circulated around the transparency of the artist. Now, this artist had gone through some incredibly tough things in their life. So has your audience. And that's where your relatability is. Nobody goes to your band's favorite page to be broken down. You know, we don't want to go and read this terrible, sad story. There's enough sad news in the world already. It's the hope. The hope is what people want because that's what everybody's looking for. We're all looking for hope in some way, shape, or form. Hope that your business will succeed. Hope that your music will be heard. Hope that you'll change even just one person's life. Hope that you'll be able to play music for your entire life and, and your bills are paid. Our lives are constantly filled with these hopes. And so you, as an artist, it's your job to satisfy the hopes of your audience. And in doing that, they will satisfy your hopes as well. So how you interact with your audience is really going to be up to you. It's going to be about the specific struggles in your life. It's going to be catered to your branding. For me, I have no problem talking about this. I have had a lot of suicide in my life. A lot of my friends have killed themselves from when I was younger. And not just me, my bandmates as well. My bandmates have had friends that have killed themselves. We have all lost someone that has been integral in our life that we never, you know, that we could never imagine losing. Now, I can talk about this here and then never talk about it again. And that's not going to help me. It's not going to help my fan base. It's not going to help anybody, really. It's just a talking point. And maybe people will relate to it. But unless I have that dialogue with the other people who are experiencing those things, it's not beneficial for anybody. So you engage your audience. You're transparent. And you can do this anyway. I'm sure anybody that's been on the Instagram world for a while remembers a few years ago when there was a, when suicide prevention was becoming a more, for lack of a better term, trendy thing. And a lot of uh, artists in the industry posted on their Instagram a picture of them holding a sign that said, suicide doesn't end the pain. It just eliminates the hope for things getting better. Or that's a paraphrase. And it was a whole bunch of them. It was the industry taking a stand against suicide and really trying to actively push into the lives of, of hurting kids. And that visual marketing ended up going everywhere. It created a platform for people to come on and say, like, this is how I struggle. You know, and for us, with suicide being so close, we launched a whole campaign when it came to suicide. We wrote a song about suicide. We made a five-piece documentary where each one of us talked about things that were incredibly you know, tough in our lives. And then on top of that, we encouraged our fans to come out and share their stories. We encouraged them to be vulnerable. So not just that we could be edified and they could be edified, but also so that they could turn and help somebody else. So like that was our goal. Now for you, it might look totally different for you. You know, you might be trying to reach people with humor. Totally awesome. You can absolutely do that. Humor is the most activating emotion. It's right up there with fear. Everybody in the world sees something scary and they instantaneously are like, this is terrifying. We've seen this month over month over month throughout uh, everything with coronavirus. Things that are funny, those are the other things that go far. So that's why there's the most controversy around things that are fearful and around what should be and shouldn't be funny. Those two emotions kind of like walk hand in hand. Let's say somebody puts out something that they think is funny, like Daniel Tosh, for example. Daniel Tosh has always been very, very racy and very on the edge. And a lot of people have hated him for that. But the people that hate him constantly talk about how much they hate him. And the people that love him constantly watch him. It's that no press is bad press 
he's created such an engaged audience that he's being engaged with by either the negative side of his audience or the positive side of his audience. And it was all about the engagement. It wasn't even about whether or not these people are going to buy his products and services. And on top of that, all of his stuff is streamed. So in order for people to even know if they like his jokes or not, they have to listen to his stream, which makes him money. So even in their distaste, they're supporting him. So there's a lot of different ways that you can really like reach out. And it's all about transparency. It's all about engaging them directly, talking about things that are important. You can use current events to do it. You can use humor. You can use polls. The point is, is you want to bring them into your circle. Your customers are the most important part of your business. So make them a part of your business. So when it comes to all these strategies that you can use to connect with people and grow your audience and you know keep them engaged on your own page, how can you get that audience in the first place? You know, Obviously, if you build it, they will come, but where do they come from? How can you spread the word to your potential audience that there is a place for them to be part of a community? Absolutely. Well, and I would say is you need to go to the places that the people already are. You're not the first person creating a safe haven for people. You're not the first person creating a humor group for people. You're not the first person creating moments for people. And so stand on the shoulders of giants and do what you're supposed to do. You go to a place where that avenue is already happening. Hashtags. For those of you who don't know what a hashtag is, every time you create a hashtag, it's a place where you can go to search for stuff. Anybody that's ever posted a picture with the hashtag Breaking Benjamin, you can go look up hashtag Breaking Benjamin and you will see every picture that's ever been posted by anybody with that hashtag. What about hashtags like for us, suicide, hashtag suicide. What about hashtags, you know, depression? What about hashtags warp tour? What about hashtags music? What about hashtags bring me the horizon? Hashtag this, hashtag that. It doesn't matter. Find out the bands you sound like. Go look at their hashtags. You have to try to be objective. What I would honestly say the best way to do is is to send your music to other people and have them tell you who you sound like and then try to market to the fans of those bands. If they say I sound like Breaking Benjamin, I'm going to go look up hashtag Breaking Benjamin and I'm going to try to reach out to the kids on Breaking Benjamin's page. You can use direct marketing campaigns through pretty much any one of your platforms, but there are places everywhere. There's Facebook groups. If you're curious about music sharing groups, just look at them. If you get online and you start Googling avenues to share your music, they're everywhere. There's Facebook groups, there's Twitter groups, there's Instagram groups. There's apps that you've never heard of that are literally just out there for people to have conversations and discussions. There are forums, there's Reddit pages. It's such an abundant place for you to like dive in that really there's no wrong place for you to start. The trick is you have to start with a dialogue. And so, you know, maybe it's these kids like if you go to Breaking Benjamin's page and you read comments on their photos, these are kids who are actively engaging artists that they love. You already know that these kids are likers, are commenters, are sharers. Market to them. You can actually see if you go on Facebook posts, you can see the people that share posts. You can see the people that like posts. You can see the people that comment and you can reach out to them directly if you want. I've seen a lot of really awesome marketing strategies from YouTubers that do this exact thing is that they get on other social influencers pages and try to get fans over there. And then ironically, when a lot of those guys start to like every once in a while, you'll have people butt heads like, um, can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Dude Perfect and PewDiePie. 
I think the two of them were competing for who had the most either subs- uh, subscribers or the most views. I can't remember. But what was amazing is that these guys were literally stimulating both of their audiences by creating this competition between them. And it wasn't even really a material competition. The only thing that really happened was Dude Perfect and PewDiePie both made a bunch of money. And that was really cool. But the reason that their fan base shared it is because PewDiePie made videos for his fans. He would ask his people what they wanted to see and he would make it. And then he would continue to make absolutely, you know, he, he wouldn't sacrifice his brand, but he definitely was focused on producing content that was unique for his audience that engaged his audience and that stayed consistent with his branding. So how to find a place. If you're playing shows, then you should be talking to everybody that comes to your shows. Your merch table is also a huge place to start. If people walk up to your merch table, they're invested in your project. So that's the type of person. Get to know them. Ask them about their life. There's all sorts of different things that you can do. We actually, we have a fan in Portland who last time we were there, it was his birthday and he plays drums. And so he played drums on his favorite of our songs. That's awesome. It was incredible. It was special for us. It was cool because this kid, obviously, our music meant enough to him that he was willing to ask. He's like, hey, it's my birthday. Do you mind if I play this song? And you know what? He got up there and he killed it. And not only did he kill it, but everybody in that venue thought it was the coolest thing on the planet, including us. It wasn't just like, oh, this is special for you guys. It wasn't this like, oh, yes, we're the musicians and we're gracing our fan with this opportunity to play for us. It's like, no, and none of that prideful, arrogant garbage. Throw that all away. Your fan base is amazing. Take one out of Kevin Smith's book. Okay, If you don't know who Kevin Smith is, Google him because... He has had one of the most loyal fan bases his entire life, and he has cared so much about his fan base that when he started to receive a lot of backlash for some of the stuff that he had been doing, he actually contemplated quitting the art industry altogether because of how much his fans' opinions mattered to him. And actually, in an interview, he said that his daughter and her passion for art is actually what revitalized his passion for art because he was so afraid of putting out art that his fan base didn't love and respect or that they didn't benefit from. And then it was really his daughter who her passion for art revitalized his passion for art. And that's incredible because Kevin Smith has probably inspired tens of thousands of people artistically and to who knows to what degree art is very, very powerful and it can speak leaps and bounds to people if it's harnessed correctly. And so you can use hashtags. The more posts that you make with hashtags, when people start to search, they're going to find So if you're anti-suicide and you start posting stuff regularly about anti-suicide with proper hashtags, with suicide support, you know, uh, with hotline numbers, things like that, people are going to start getting the message and you're going to start finding people for us. We actually found a few. There was Heart Support, which is an incredible company that we ended up pairing with, that we did some interviews with them for some of their anti-suicide stuff. We launched a t-shirt with them and we did our whole marketing campaign was our hashtag was the fight. We were talking about the fight that everybody has to endure. And the fight is always different for everybody. And then when we encouraged people to share their stories, they shared it with that same hashtag. And then Heart Support paid for a shirt to be made that had that hashtag. And people were able to purchase the single ahead of time and they could get it in a bundle with the with a limited edition 
heart support shirt that had the hashtag the fight on it. And this was to encourage people to come out and share their struggles and create moments for other people. It was encouraging them to create their own audience so that they could in turn inspire other people. For me, I would firmly say that as an extrovert, I love talking to people. I love talking in general. That's why I do podcasts with James. But it's how you have that dialogue. It's when you see that person in the corner of the room that's not having a good time, it's having the strength to walk up and talk to them. It's having the confidence to share your hard stories, to say, you know what? My friends have killed themselves. You know what? Like I've struggled with drug addiction. You know, I've struggled with X, Y, Z, PDQ, whatever. There's a million different things that you can relate to. But even in the act of sharing, in the act of including people in your circle, you're fortifying all of you and you're creating bonds that will last a lifetime. Well, Matt, I think that's a mic drop moment right there, but I'm going to ask you to pick that mic right back up just for the artists who have no audience or let's say, you know, under 50 or under 100 followers or they have an audience, but that's not engaged. Can you give us like a quick step-by-step summary of what artists can do to grow a healthy and engaged audience? Absolutely. The first thing is going to be having a product. Write a song. You record it. That's very, very important. If you don't have a product, then you don't have a business because musicians have two things. We have products and we have services. Right now, nobody's really playing live shows. So it's got to be about a product, which can be difficult. Um, If you don't have a product, work, 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 get your money up, build your funds, get a good quality track written and start with that. The thing is, you're going to start building your fan base by putting yourself out there. You need to go to each one of your social platforms, search hashtags. They all have a search bar, search hashtags. Go start engaging with audiences. Become active in your digital community. So let's say, for example, musicians post on like Twitter all the time. If you have a favorite musician that you follow, get on there and actively respond to their tweets. Become an active member in their community as well. Networking is the whole game. So the more you become an active member in their communities, the more you'll be able to draw fans from their community as well. So again, searching those hashtags, trying to figure out what artist you sound like is integral. You need to know your target audience and your target audience is really going to be, you know, if I like Slipknot and I play folk music or pop music, Like, I'm not going to be appealing to that part of the audience. I'm not going to be appealing to the part of me that says, I like Slipknot. I'm not appealing to Slipknot fans. I'm appealing to, you know, folk fans or pop fans or or whatever my genre of music is. And then on top of that, if you're a folk artist, give your music to people who like folk. Don't be afraid, especially at an early stage. If you hear somebody that says that they like an artist that you think you have a similar sound and you're really starting off at ground level, give your music away at the very, very, very bottom. You know, if you have no fan base whatsoever, chances are those first 100 fans that you have are like your mom, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, family members, and the friends. The fans. (laughs) Exactly. They're the people who love you unconditionally, but they're probably not the people who are going to buy every one of your t-shirts. They're going to support you as long as it takes to get you to where you're self-sustaining if they really believe in your product. So those people give your music away too. you know, especially if you only have like a single or two. And honestly, the people that really support you, they're going to try to give you their money anyway. And so at an early stage, think of it as an operating cost. You're not at the point where you're going to start making your money back yet. 
You have to think of that as a marketing investment in hopes that they are going to then take that and go somewhere else. The hard thing about putting a specific formula with this is that with marketing, things are different. If you're a young artist and you've released a cool song and you're popular and you're, and you're still in high school and you're popular, give it to the other popular kids. If you're out of high school, try to meet some popular high school kids and give it to them. Trends start in school. It's because kids are, you know, sitting there for 12 hours or eight hours a day with nothing to do. And so things like fidget spinners get popular. And I don't even know what the latest one is right now, but there's always something new. You know, these things always come in and out for all those nineties kids. It was pogs and baseball cards and things like that. Nowadays, you wouldn't find any of that, but everybody in school still knew the kids that had like the coolest pogs and things like that. It was, that was the trendiness. So the marketing aspect of it is really going to depend on where you are. Don't be afraid. Like if, if you work at a restaurant, don't be afraid to ask your coworkers. These are going to be the people that push you to the places you need to go. And so hashtag stuff. So search hashtags. So go to music forums, be ready for criticism, be ready for people to tear you apart. I have literally had random people on the internet give my music a percentage and letter grade. And it's funny because then my fans have gotten on there and torn them apart. But (laughs) that just kind of goes back earlier to what I was talking about, where you create a place for people to discuss. You leave your opinions on the side, but if you give people something to talk about, they'll talk about it. If you build it, they will come. Use those surveys. Get on Instagram and start adding people. If you go to Breaking Benjamin's fan base, just go start adding those people and then start sending out messages. Unfortunately, direct marketing is the best way for you to get off the ground. And direct marketing is kind of hard because it requires you to be vulnerable. For those introverts, it requires you to talk to people. For those extroverts, it requires you to talk to people digitally. There's a different struggle for everybody. And it's going to be all about finding the correct avenue for you to push your music. If you play folk, don't post it on Breaking Benjamin's page. Go to Fleet Fox's page and go reach out to their fans. If you think you sound like Slipknot, go to Slipknot's page. Find their fans. Reach out to them. If you think you sound like Death Cab for Cutie, you get my point. Go to where your fans are going to be. If you know that folk artists play coffee shops, go to coffee shops. Another really good one that I've that I've seen is uh, people following club tours. You know, for us, a big way we got off the ground was following Warp Tour. There's, there's this target, there's an audience of 10,000 kids per day standing in line. And so we went around playing our music and selling CDs. We made 20,000 fans in the summer and that really helped us get off the ground. And it was because there was already a target audience and we decided to capitalize on it. So figure out what your target audience is. Then figure out how you are going to interact with them. It always starts with dialogue, but just make sure whatever, whatever that dialogue is, Try to hone it. Try to figure out what it is that people like to talk about. Then once you have that audience, engage them with open-ended questions, polls, with humor. Create a platform for them to talk to each other, for them to discuss. And then you just kind of stand on the outside and spectate. The larger form that you create for people, the larger your fan base is going to be. And the thing is, when your fans disagree with each other, that does not affect you. That's why creating a place for them where they, A, can feel safe to come and discuss and where they're, where they're willing to come and do it is incredibly powerful. That does it for another episode of the Band Hive podcast. Huge welcome back to Matt 
And of course, thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast every single week. I hope you're learning quite a bit from Matt, Aaron, and myself. Those of you who were listening closely might have heard Matt mention one of his coaching clients. If you're interested in becoming a coaching client of any of the hosts of the Bandhive podcast, just head on over to bandhive.rocks slash coaching and you can apply for coaching and you can either choose one of us or you can let us figure out who will be the best fit for you. So again, that's bandhive.rocks slash coaching. And we look forward to finding out more about you and helping you navigate the music business and your career. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back with another episode next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern time. We hope you have an awesome week. And of course, as always, keep rocking. Hey, you. Yeah, you with the headphones or the speakers. You've made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. While I still have you here, if you're not already in the Bandhive Facebook community, it would be great to see you there. We have over 600 like-minded musicians who are asking questions, sharing their experiences and advice, and much more. So if you want to improve your band's business, look no further than the Bandhive Facebook community. You can find it by searching for Bandhive on Facebook, that's B-A-N-D-H-I-V-E, or going to bandhive.rocks slash group. Again, that's bandhive.rocks slash group, and that will automatically redirect you to our Facebook community. I look forward to seeing you there soon.